Today, my name is Christy Bissell. If you didn't hear my beautiful niece Annabelle say that, <laughs> my name is Christy, and I am getting over a cold. How does it sound? Pretty bad, right? <clears throat> I've been coughing like crazy, but you know what? It was so worth it because I got so many baby kisses and hugs, and I spoiled her rotten, and I had the best time. Uh, last week, you probably heard me mention that my family was visiting me uh, from Pennsylvania, and. It was much needed. Yeah, I may have got a cold from it, but um, I'm incredibly happy. So without any further ado, I just want to get right to my conversation with my new friend, Allison. Her full name, Allison Huey. We met through uh, a Facebook page for a mutual podcast that we both listened to called Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller. It's really uplifting, and it's not just about quitting your day job. It's about loving your day job and, and all kinds of other stuff. Um, so I don't want any mis- any misinterpretations. I love my day job at New York Vocal Coaching. That just so happens to be the podcast. Um, but there's a group on Facebook of a bunch of like-minded people that are trying to increase um, their joy and gratitude and success in life with through their job and their work. And um, I posted on the page one day, I was like, hey, I'm looking for people to come on the podcast, anybody who loves music or is a singer, come as you are, message me if you're interested. And she messaged me and I got really excited because she's a music therapist. And truthfully, I don't know much about music therapy. I I do a little bit now after talking with Allison and a little bit of research and what I think some of my friends do, but it's an incredible job. Um, so I'm just going to read off her, um, her little bio that she sent me. So Allison Huey is a music therapist, music teacher, and performer. Her private practice, Carolina Music Therapy, serves clients across the lifespan, but focuses on older adults with dementia. She performs as a soloist, vocals, and ukulele and guitar, freelance flutist, flautist? Is that? It's, I think it's flautist. Freelance flautist and a member of the After School Special. And the After School Special is the band that she's in. That's the name of it, which I love. She, her husband, and her rescue dog live in the metropolis of Copens, South Carolina. Sarcastic joke. It's a very small town in between Greensville, South Carolina, and Charlotte, North Carolina. I like her. <laughs> anyway, I've never actually met Allison in person, but... Um, It was really great talking with her, and I really appreciate her being on the podcast and listening to her perspective of music and all the powers that it actually does have. So please enjoy this conversation, and uh, we apologize. The the audio isn't the greatest quality, but um, the content is the greatest quality. She's wonderful. Anyway, here we go. Here's my conversation with Allison. So, Allison, talk to us about what you do with Carolina Music Therapy. So my work as a music therapist takes to use music as a tool to achieve non-musical goals. And I primarily work with people with dementia. And um, most of these people live in long-term care communities and memory care. So um, with those groups, often I use music from their young adult years to um, act as a catalyst for reminiscence. So um Music's like a time machine. You know, when we listen to songs from high school, we kind of 
think about all the people that we're hanging out with and think about the memories that we made in high school. Uh, it's the same across the lifespan. So um, finding those special songs for people in that population uh, is a big piece of what I do, as well as facilitating the discussions that come about after engaging in those songs. Um, I also encourage singing and active music making as part of those groups. So those people are able to interact with their peers and staff in a different way, and sometimes even their loved ones that are a part of the group, as well as engage in um, movement to music. That sounds really cool. And do you feel like you find a lot of success with it? Definitely. Um, I love hearing the stories that people share and the bonding that happens when they share those stories. Um, Often with cognitive decline, people tend to kind of forget who they are and who they've been throughout their lives and what they've accomplished mm. and the connections that they've had and the, the love that they've felt and given throughout their lifetime. So I feel like music therapy can really be a catalyst to um, instill a sense of life well-lived as well as bonding of the peers that they have around them in the moment as well. Um, so, uh, for instance, a funny story that I have um, One of the ladies in a group I had for Halloween, um, we were singing some songs related to Halloween and spooky and some other things. And um, she said, oh, I remember on Halloween, me and the kids around the street, we'd always get together and go across the street to this old place that was brick and stone and had all these holes in the wall. And and we'd go make out. And she just giggled and laughed. (gasps) And, of course, in the whole rest of the group started laughing and giggling and uh, <laughs> they started egging each other on and that kind of thing. And other people started sharing some of their memories from uh, Halloween and pranks and funny things like that. And so bringing that connection um, was a really cool thing. So that's a little example of some of the reactions. Wow. I, I can't imagine like a, better job and making like you make music so um needed with your job which is kind of crazy um I mean do you have other stories because that is incredible I know you mentioned like um on your Facebook page I think it was um oh gosh just today you were talking about a patient that listens to James Brown uh, yes, yes James Brown yes I love that. And I, first of all, I love James Brown, but I think that the fact that music can stir up so much in us is insane. Yes, exactly. So tell us about what got you into music therapy. So I initially studied flute performance in college at Converse College and went into that because I love music and um, love playing music for most of my life. And especially when I started playing in band in middle school and started playing flute, that really hooked me on music. And um, people told me, oh, you're good enough to be a performance major. And so I decided to be a performance major and not really thinking so much about what I would do with that afterward. And so after college, I did some teaching and um, some preschool music groups and some other things. And I actually hurt my back as I was taking my keyboard out of the trunk of my car 
before on these preschool music groups. And it was the first time I had really experienced that kind of pain and ended up having chronic pain for probably a good four months or so. And, um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, there wasn't really anything that they could find with um, MRI or anything. It was just soft tissue damage. Um, And uh, I really struggled with that and found myself using music to cope and using music to ground my breathing and to focus on my breathing to reduce my pain perception. And um, about the same time of life and that season, I met someone who had just enrolled in the music therapy program at Converse, which they had just started. Um, So um, later on that year, I decided to enroll in the music therapy program and basically get an addendum to my prior bachelor's degree. Okay, awesome. Um, yeah. So you were talking about the, the the pain that you were dealing with soft tissue, you said? Mm-hmm. So, and it lasted for four months. So do you deal with patients like that now? Or is it just you're dealing strictly in like memory care? My focus is memory care and people with dementia, but I do have a few other clients that I work with who are between... 10 and 18 years old. Got I have two students um, who I serve that we do adapted piano lessons um, because they're very interested in learning piano. So that's the main focus is music education and lessons. However, they need some adaptations for their learning style. Um, they both have autism spectrum disorder um, uh-huh. and some other um concurrent things and then I have a teenager that I work with uh who had had a stroke so wow um, there's some different needs there but um similar approaches where we're using music as a tool to um work on other goals like self-expression and typing with um that um exertion both mental and physical therapy got it Got it. Wow. That's, it sounds really rewarding. Um, have you is. ever heard, have you ever heard of, um, women that make playlists for birthing their kids? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just to cope with the pain. You said coping with the pain. And I instantly was thinking about like three different women that have talked to me about their playlists, <laughs> how it yes. got them through childbirth. You know, it's just crazy that it does just so many things. Um, can you tell us about like the training that you that you got? What it would take for someone to become a music therapist, and like what the classes were, what you really found um, exciting about the learning? Sure. Um, so there are undergraduate programs in music therapy, as well as um, equivalency programs at the undergraduate level master's programs and doctoral programs. Cool. The American Music Therapy Association is a great resource for anyone interested in pursuing the field or just learning more about music therapy. And cool. Can you, can you say that one more time? The American Music Therapy Association website awesome. is a great resource for anyone interested in pursuing the field or just learning more about music therapy. There's cool. plenty of research as well as information on programs. It's musictherapy.org. And uh, with the undergraduate level programs, those programs involve a core 
music um, requirement um, very similar to classes that you would take for performance, such as piano and theory and music history, um, as well as requirements for um, anatomy and physiology, biology, um, lots of psychology courses as well, um, and dance uh, as a part of that uh, cool. the program at Commerce College. Um, and I feel like I'm leaving something out. Um, but, uh, of course, core music therapy classes are a part of that. So yeah. courses that are specific to uh, the psychology of music, as well as how to utilize instrumental approaches in music therapy, um, philosophical approaches to music therapy, um, and improvisation, um, and other components of that, um, as long as count, as well as counseling skills. See, now that's cool. Now that was my other question: is what is the difference between? Um, music therapy and just a regular therapist. You go and you talk to them. Um, what's what's the difference? And can you kind of describe a situation for someone that that doesn't know anything about it? So with a traditional talk therapist that you might um, engage with, they're primarily using conversation um, questions um, and you know, potentially other tools like cognitive behavioral worksheets and mm-hmm. things like that to help guide you through um, and a path to um, your goal. With music therapy, we're using music as a tool to guide through approaches. So I use some questions and some um, verbal counseling skills in my work. Um, but with that, they're oriented toward the music or they reference back to the music and the relationship that the person has with music. Um, It's very dependent on the philosophical approach of a music therapist as well. Yes. As well as a a talk therapist might be um, more uh, grounded in cognitive behavioral approaches or more grounded in feminist approaches. Um, music therapists have different approaches as well. Um, so neurologic music therapy is one uh, that I'm, I've learned about before and studied, but I'm delving deeper into right now, um, where the biological and neurological foundations of the response to music okay. are the guiding um guiding direction of the approaches that are used in music therapy. So there's a a ton of research when it comes to using melodic intonation therapy, for instance, uh, to help people recover after a stroke and their language skills or using um, rhythmic gait rehabilitation. Um, I know I'm using the incorrect acronym, but (laughs) using rhythm to, uh, to retrain gait. For someone who is post-stroke or someone with Parkinson's disorder, um, uh-huh. or Parkinson's disease, rather. Um, so I'm delving into that again to, to try to expand my philosophical approaches. That's so cool. I did see a video of a guy, um, I think, that was recovering from an accident, and there was a music therapist that was had a drum 
and that was keeping him in time to to walk and it was mm-hmm. really cool um so you kind of touched on this a little bit but what are the um what are all the cases that you would work with because i think some people might be thinking well could i have a music therapist <laughs> as opposed to someone just talking to me because i know i would love to just have someone just deal with me with music <laughs> there are so many populations that can benefit um for one example um guided imagery in music is something that i've experienced from a music therapist on a personal level um and that was such a profound experience um Mm. There's also um, you know, so many music therapists out there that focus on different populations, such as music therapy and childbirth. And you mentioned playlists for childbirth uh, earlier, um, and music therapists who uh, serve people with depression or anxiety, um, mm. eating disorders. Um, Said so they're um, it's definitely a growing field and it's well known in certain pockets of our country and our world but uh there's not um a wide knowledge about it yet but we're all trying to change that (laughs) yeah I just I feel like it would be so much more beneficial because sometimes music it speaks in a different language that we don't realize and sometimes we don't as mere mortals we don't have um all the skills to write our own music and so someone sometimes it feels like they've written a song for us or it's almost like we wrote that and um I feel like it would be so much easier for a lot of people to open up and to change and to feel better just by simply having music as a backup for therapy it just sounds yeah it just makes sense to me that's great specific songs uh, that yeah. you really relate to, and that's something that um, is frequently used with um, mental health and addictions is using lyric analysis and finding songs that uh, one can deeply relate to. And that way, a person is able to express their feelings indirectly. So instead of saying, you know, I feel afraid, they can say, well, I think the person in this song seems afraid and I can relate to that. So there's kind of like a, a different layer um, that's a little less vulnerable for self-expression with that. Yeah, I feel safer. That's, mm-hmm. I think even some of the songwriters that I work with in my lessons, I feel like if I know, like you can kind of tell when it's definitely directly about them, they'll be like, well, this is just about somebody. It could be about anybody. I'm like, okay, that's cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's like, they're using that song to release, but also at the same time to have a safety net, which it's cool that it does both of that for them. Um, But I guess it goes along, you know, with stage fright and being able to be our most honest selves out on the stage. Do you ever deal with just strictly performers getting out there and performing? I haven't, but it's something that I've recently uh, brainstormed about because I've dealt with stage fright for years and years and years. And just in the past few years have felt much more comfortable performing 
So oh. even though I primarily work as a music therapist, I continue gigging because I love making music. Um, right. But it's taken me a long time to be really more comfortable with doing that in front of people um, and being able to be present more with that. So being able mm-hmm. to engage with the audience more and um, those sorts of things, it's a completely different ball game than a music therapy group, even if it's a group of people. So um, yeah. I recently started writing some songs to include some prompts for relaxation and confidence for people nice. who are facing stage fright. Um this is something to, to kind of play around with um, and to, to give away for a few people um, that I'd reached out to personally. So um, starting to explore that way of giving and, and helping people to be able to shine their light. So the songs that you're writing, they're like lyrics to help them open up? Yes. So That's um, great. A conversation came up um uh, at Converse College, I continued to perform with their fleet ensemble, and our rehearsal was immediately after their um, studio time. So they, of course, get together and people take turns forming their pieces and getting feedback and giving feedback. And someone mentioned nervousness or, you know, how do I feel comfortable when I'm performing while I ever get there? Um, and Several people mentioned that you just have to keep doing it and keep doing it scared. And But then also practicing what you want to feel like on stage. So practicing deep breathing, practicing feeling grounded, um, finding ways, whether it be yoga or mindfulness exercises, to, to be in that state. Um, and the more you do that and the more you incorporate that in your day-to-day life, the more you're going to be able to be like that while you're on stage as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the, did you have like a breakthrough moment for you that you were like, I feel like I'm not as scared as I once was. Was there like a specific moment you can envision that happened for you that helped you? Yes. Um, actually just a few months ago, uh, the band that I perform with after school special had the opportunity That's a great to name. open up. Yeah, thank you. I love it. I <laughs> uh, love it. The band had the opportunity to open for David Ball and the Carolina Sound, and uh, they're a very well-known group, especially David Ball and the Southeast region. And we were um, getting ready to go on, and I just awesome. felt more nervous than I've been in a long time, mm. and. Yeah, just kind of thinking through it and taking deep breaths and like, this is going to be fun. This is such a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, after I got on stage, it was like that all went away. And being able to be in the moment and be in the music, not only um, independently, but within the group and the ensemble and being able to have that um that gel, you know, that cohesion between all of us playing, but then also being able to connect with people in the audience. So not yeah. um, just closing my eyes throughout or not taking a spot way off in the distance that's on a wall, you know, and focusing on that or imagining everyone in their underwear. 
or any of those sorts of things, but genuinely being able to, to sing and look out at people's faces and see their reactions and watch their interactions between each other and those sorts of things. Um, and just feeling that moment of being able to be truly present while I'm performing uh, was a really beautiful thing and, and started to, um, to start my process of reflecting on how far I'd come in that sense and how I might be able to help other people. Yeah. And I feel like that just takes a a great amount of, of empathy, what you're talking about, how it'll help other people. Like even as you're thinking about yourself, you're already thinking about how this can help other people. Like that's just a true musician and a good person. So that's so great. Thank you. You're welcome. Can you talk a little bit about the um, the benefits of music just in general, the stuff that you found in your clients and yourself? And this could even just be like, you know, with your friends or anything, just all the benefits of music for people. There are so many benefits within our <laughs> body and our brain, our spirit for music. Um, it's been found that those of us who engage and playing music or making music actively has increased connectivity between both sides of our brain, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's also physiological response. Uh, if you sing often, um, you know, you're practicing more awareness of your breathing. You're taking in more oxygen and hopefully uh, more air, not just oxygen. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> you know, with deeper breathing and more awareness of your breathing, you have better oxygen saturation. You have more of a relaxation response if you are singing and aware of your posture on a regular basis. Um, also, the emotional connectivity and the freedom of emotional expression, I feel like that is a big piece. Um, if you're making music on a regular basis, you're more aware of your emotions and you have an outlet for your emotions as well and having a creative outlet um, also being beneficial and music brings people together whether you're playing music with a group or whether you go and see a concert you're finding connection with other people so I feel like the the connection piece of music is one thing that I'm truly in love with so um, the fact that it, it bonds us together is you know, can give us a sense of shared experiences and shared identities and um, shared brainwaves, really. I mean, you look at um, different studies about group singing and how you know, people's brains basically become in sync. Um, our blood pressure and our heart rate can entrain to music as well. Uh, so there's so many different benefits. Yeah, and I think... I think a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world right now kind of sometimes can make us feel the opposite. So when we put music in the equation, it just, it kind of flips it on its head in a good way. And it Mm -hmm. feels so necessary and it's just so important to have in your life. And, and I think sometimes, I don't know if you get this with clients, but sometimes I'll have students will come in and they, talk about how they're like, well, I don't know if I'm, if I can be a singer, I don't know if this is for me and I need you to tell me if this is for me or not. 
And I'm like, of course it's for you. It's for everybody. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you ever get that kind of thing happen for you? I have had a few seniors who I serve who initially will say, well, I don't sing, or they'll say, um, you know, I had pneumonia and I can't sing anymore, or they'll say, my voice has changed. I used to be a singer, but now I can't. When really, primarily, that their vocal range has gone lower. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that, I just kind of say, oh, well, you're welcome to, you know, play the instruments and we pass instruments around or just listen. And usually, nine times out of ten, they'll end up singing. That's <laughs> so I do good. sing songs in lower keys um, so that the range is more within the range of most of the members of the group. Uh, so that definitely helps. Uh, oh, that's good. I love seeing that change. <laughs> I can only imagine just seeing them just being mm-hmm. able to be like, oh, this is normal. People do this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I just, I, I think there's like... this big perfection thing going on with the, with singing in particular. Yes. It's so personal. It's such an extension directly of your your body and soul and I feel like it's definitely a different outlook with most of the older adults than with younger people because over time we've placed so much more emphasis on music making to the experts to the Beyonce and Elvis Presley and that sort of thing where music making at home used to be much more common or music making in the community. Now we're primarily streaming music and have access to whatever song you can think of. For the most part, you can pull up on your phone and listen to, which is awesome. But at the same time, um, it's sad that we don't have as much intimate music making and families and communities as we used to. Um, You're so right. Mm-hmm. It's sad. And I was just listening to, I don't know if you listen to this podcast. It's called um, Things You Should Know or Short Stuff, I think is something that it's called. But they were talking about um, Tim Pan Alley and how before streaming, before tape, CDs, vinyl, all you had was sheet music and your family member or friend that could play piano. That was how it was. So if you wanted to listen yeah. to music, it had to be that. And so it was very common for a lot of people to play instruments and to sing for each other because that's the only way you could listen to music. And yeah, yeah. We, we're spoiled now. <laughs> so we take it for granted, I think. And mm-hmm. I, I, I've been trying to push like my students getting record players and um, once a month I'll have them get together as a group and they just hang out and eat food and sing. And it's not a recital. It's just them hanging out and sharing their voices. And I think they're getting a little cozier, but it's, you know, it's still like, ah, it's not good. (laughs) It's great. The fact that you're opening your mouth is great. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You make great points. So is there any, Anything that you want to share either about like your, your stop right now in your journey that you're at with the Carolina music therapy or, um, just your thoughts on music and life or anything else you want to share. And we can even talk about our, our podcast that we share a liking to if we want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like 
to tie that in, um, it, we met through Don't Keep Your Day Job. And yeah. I found Don't Keep Your Day Job last summer via listening to Reese Tukup do it scared podcast. And funny uh, story, I, I love that. I was creating a playlist on Spotify to uh, help with my feelings of um, uncertainty and some fear and trying to pursue uh, doing music therapy again because I've not been doing it for a few years and I'm taking a, a change in my career path but still working with older adults. And so I typed in on Spotify, do it, I think, because I was trying to think of um, an older song that had do it in the title, and do it scared popped up. And I thought, hmm, that sounds interesting. So I started listening to that podcast. And then <laughs> Such a I great heard an interview with Kathy Heller and was just blown away and really got addicted to podcasts last summer between the two of those. And yep. uh so started listening to that, started um, making more playlists to, to work through and express some of the things I was feeling as I started doing music therapy groups on weekends on top of my full-time job and um, then really um, started performing again for the first time in several years and loving that and just feeling led to doing more and more music. Oh. And... Um, continuing with the motto of doing it scared and shining your light and uh, came around to the spring and I had some opportunities to do more music therapy work than I could fit together with my full-time position and decided to take that leap away from my day job. Um, as Kathy says, don't keep your day job. <laughs> and don't to, keep your day to make job. That leap and, and really dive into my private practice, Carolina Music Therapy, uh, so I was over the moon and still kind of thinking myself about that. And every day is a new adventure, um, but continuing to really learn every day and be grateful for each moment and dance with the fear and the apprehension and the uncertainty as I go along. And I feel like music can really uh, help us with that in life. And, more and more that seems to be something universal for everyone to have that feeling of uncertainty or uh, who am I to think I might could do this or you mentioned earlier sometimes students saying oh I'm not sure if this song is for me well you know, try it <laughs> and and you know practice being brave and little small steps um, yep. and being vulnerable and being okay with being a little bit uncomfortable and afraid and um whether it be playing music, singing, or even just sharing music with other people, like, oh, have you heard of this band? Um, that sort of thing. Those are yeah. all layers of vulnerability and connecting with other people. Yeah. And I feel like music can be a big tool for that um, and yeah. a big tool for helping us look at the, the big picture of what we want to do with our life and taking chances on that. Yeah. It's like even just listening to people say something that you never would say before. You're like, wow, that person said that. It's like, I'm thinking that. And another human being said that. Wow, they're brave. Cool, thank like, you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, okay. 
it, it makes complete sense, but it's like every time we go to say it, we get the flinch. And, um, I know I definitely did. I, I was listening to the, the podcast. Don't, don't keep your day job before I even like had a job. I mean, I was getting, I was finishing my master's, um, and I was working at Olive Garden. Um, but I knew I was quitting that job eventually, but I was just listening to, because someone said, you know, Kathy Heller is just so inspirational and, you know, she's a songwriter. You should just listen to her. And, you know, of course I became obsessed because she's so infectious. She just loves to help people. And I feel driven to help people too. And I was like, wow, role model. (laughs) She's, she's so great. So I, I've just been following her ever since. I, I think, I think I started at episode one. I've missed a couple here and there, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but I think it's cool. It's like we we found each other through that page. So I thought that was very yeah. cool. <laughs> we all just Definitely. kind of ran to the fear. I mean, it's kind of scary um, finding people to come on the podcast. But um, I, I want to get to know people from far and wide and hear their stories and, and hope that somehow it creates some kind of circle for, for people that feel alone out there. And I know I know they do because... You know, I think a lot of singers, they go into all these private voice lessons, one person lessons, and um, they feel like it's a one person journey and they're all by themselves. And it's a lot of weight to carry. And it's there's a lot of risk. And if they knew that a ton of other people were doing the same thing, maybe they wouldn't be so scared. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, I do have one thing. Yeah. So, um. Uh, Last year, uh, before I started doing music therapy groups again, I found myself realizing that I've been neglecting making music for enjoyment and decided to start making more time for that, making room for that. Started playing with a band and started playing ukulele more often just for fun and playing at a ukulele club that started near where I live. And at the beginning of the year, I decided to challenge myself to go through the Daily Ukulele book, which is subtitled 365 Songs for Better Living. And it's actually <laughs> 365 songs that are primarily in alphabetical order and lead sheet format and really great resource. Um, it's awesome. And so I've been not only learning and recording one of those songs each day, but also sharing those on Instagram as a way to get more comfortable with sharing videos of myself singing, which I've always struggled with that as well. And it's kind of a oh my gosh. getting less um, stage fright issues, you know, and uh, being more open um, and that sort of thing. So I've been doing that this year and I started like mid January. So I'm on day 139 or day 140, something like that. That's awesome. So super excited about that. And there's definitely been a couple of days here and there where um, for whatever reason, I didn't record one that day, but then I doubled up the next day. And that kind of <laughs> Good for um, you. So if you're interested in random ukulele covers, you can find me at Allie Flute on Instagram. Yay, say it one more time. If you're interested in random ukulele covers and obscure songs, you can find me at, at, at Allie Flute on Instagram. Amazing. That's awesome. I am definitely checking out as soon as we're off. Um, Thank you. And and what do you think about um, 
Cause this is a, this is a topic that a lot of my singers ask. They're like, isn't it obnoxious to post stuff on social media? And I was like, no, people want to hear you sing. I mean, isn't don't you think that more so than anything, people would want to hear them sing. And if they don't, they can just scroll past it. <laughs> Definitely. You know, for me, I had seen a few of my friends post videos of themselves playing and themselves singing in this past year. And when I saw those and when I watched those, I really admired the fact that they shared that and really enjoyed hearing them. Um, So that really inspired me to do the same. And, um, you know, like you said, if people think it's obnoxious or don't want to listen, they can scroll past it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're not like coming at them through their device saying, you have to listen to this. Yeah, it's not a knock on the door, you know. It's yeah. there for if they if they care to take it take a look. Um, but yeah, I'm always encouraging my students to post before they're ready because they. I mean, I you know I have all these great singers and a lot of them they don't like their voice. I'm like, well, you should. It's great. <laughs> so, but you know, I think that if they hear more compliments, like genuine compliments, not fake ones, but. Mm-hmm. People genuinely saying it's it's a good voice. I think they'd be more apt to sharing their gifts. Um, and I really feel like the more people do that openly, and especially the more um, you share, you know, non-perfect things, the more that gives encouragement and inspiration for everyone else around you to do the same yeah. and to explore and and take chances. Yeah. And we need more of that because so many people are, you know, they're the airbrushing and just, I don't know. I think people are afraid to just be themselves or to mm-hmm. have a picture that's not, <laughs> that's not perfect. I know that there's a, a lot of uh, younger people that they have apps that, you know, will clear their faces up. They'll make them look skinnier. They can actually like alter their their waists and their legs and I don't know I just I would love to just see people being real (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well okay this was really great I really appreciate you doing this and I'm sad we can't meet in person but this is this is a good second best (laughs) thank you maybe one day we can who knows yes yes that would be awesome All right. And a big thank you to Allison for being on the podcast and talking about her passion for music therapy and growth. It's really exciting to hear somebody so passionate and dedicated to people. And I want to just mention the website that she talked about, the American Music Therapy Association. So this is www.musictherapy.org. And it has any kind of information that you could be looking for if you're looking for a therapist, if you want to donate, if you want to join, if you want to become a music therapist, how do you become a music therapist? What does all of that involve? Ooh, hi, Tuck. <laughs> and I just want to read off of the website really quick. What is music therapy? Music therapy is the clinical and evidence-based use of music interventions to accomplish individualized goals within therapeutic relationship. And these are all of the benefits that they say. It says promotes wellness. You can manage your stress, alleviate pain, express feelings, enhance memory, improve communication, promote physical rehabilitation. This is just amazing 
actual things that music can benefit, um, can be benefits in your life. Um, so check it out and see what this is. See if you want to, if you want to find a music therapist or if you're interested in the benefits or if you want to donate because what a fantastic cause, right? Anyway, I just found it incredibly fascinating and Allison's work is incredible and I just give her big props for what she's doing. It's wonderful. And if you want to find Allison, you can go to Instagram and you can type in A-L-I-F-L-U-T-E, Allie Flute. And then her business one is Carolina Music Therapy, and that's on Instagram as well. But if you have just Facebook, go ahead and type in Carolina Music Therapy, and you can find her there. And, um, yeah, thanks once again for listening to the podcast. Again, my name is Christy Bissell, and if you want to join our little community that we're creating on Facebook, go ahead and just type in the Happy Singer Podcast. You'll find us there. And on that page, you can find the discussion group that we have going. And, um, yeah, join us there. Introduce yourself. Post videos of you singing if you want. I want to hear more of you guys sing. And lastly, if you want, you can follow me on Instagram. Christy Bissell, K-R-I-S-T-Y-B-I-S-S-E-L-L. I post stuff about the podcast and my students and puppy because Tucker's the cutest dog ever. You know, anything that is good and happy. Wing night. You know, things like that. Anyway, bye guys. I'll talk to you soon and be well.